Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Whatever coach asked me to do, I'm doing. Uh, did feel weird to only play six, you know, once you get into that little rhythm. But, you know, shout out to our guys coming out and playing today, playing hard, uh, making plays. Um, came out with intensity from, from the get-go. I'm proud of how we uh, handled ourselves today. It was good to see. Me being able to go out there with the first string O-line, um, you know, we, we, all need, we all need that. Um, as you can see, we're a little rusty when we went out there. Uh, but... You know, it's nothing that, that a little film can't help. I told you, man, I go out there and play. That's it. I, I don't think about it. I'm a football player. Whatever whatever number they have me as, I don't, I don't care. I'm going to go out there and play every single time as hard as I can. So that, that's really it on that one. Three of the quarterbacks we saw week two of the 2022 preseason. The best thing about the new approach by the NFL to 17 regular season games, three preseason games. The preseason is like almost over before it even starts. Yeah. We've got one game left in week two, and then this weekend, that's it. Next Tuesday, the rosters get cut from what will be 80 to 53, and then off we go. A little bit of a break. A little bit of a Labor Day weekend that was never really respected in the past by the NFL because that was when they did the big cut down and the waivers claims and practice squads and everybody worked on Labor Day weekend. Now everybody gets a little bit of break and then we ramp up for what's coming in just 17 days. Good Lord, it's only 17 days away, Chris. Yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I mean, just like you. Even this past weekend, yeah, just gave you a little taste. Not that all teams played starters, but we had enough that did. 
So, you know, you get a little little inside view, inside peek of what these teams look like, the new life of some of these teams in 2022. So that was interesting. We'll hit on all that today. But Mikey got a haircut, and I like the way Mikey looks on Monday morning. <laughs> What's up? How are you? Well, I was getting shaggy. It had been four weeks. I couldn't go the weekend before because we had family visiting. I didn't want to have to drag my ass out of bed early on Saturday after maybe having a few legal beverages on Friday night, so I decided to give it another week. I gave it another week. And the problem is, the longer I go between haircuts, the more I lose. Like, you would think it would be longer because the frame of reference is... I, But no, it's just... It's like she's mad that I... I waited an extra week. So well, she's not sure when more. she's going to see you, right? So she's she's yeah, uh, so she's going well. a little yeah, going a little tighter. Send her to basic training. I I would like it. I would you know I'd like to talk to this this uh, woman who cut your hair. Maybe try to get get her. I'm going to call down and see if I can get her to make it like no. real high no. and tight, no. like the old no. Chris Sims haircut. <laughs> no, that's that's classified information, uh, which uh, is properly stored in my basement in boxes. All right, uh, let's get to it. Peacock. Hello, Peacock, Sirius XM 85, Sky Sports, the podcast audience, the exponentially growing podcast audience. By the way, there's a new show today. Tune in Big time. to Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry. Weekdays, 12 to 1 Eastern, and then it airs again at 4 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. I will say, though, if you're going to have a big mug of beer at noon, you may have a problem. Wow, I you was going to say. You may have a problem. Right. I mean, I, would, <laughs> I don't feel guilty about us swearing anymore if we're pushing drinking at noon, all right? <laughs> hey, these guys swear early in the morning, and then at noon, you can get drunk with Matthew Barry and do fantasy stuff. This is awesome. <laughs> and, and if it starts to wear off, you can do it again at 4 o'clock because you will have forgotten everything you heard heard from noon to one because you got drunk so now you do it again also sources close to me tell me that at least for now at least for now on Sirius XM 85 PFT live re-airs from one to three so if for whatever reason you happen to miss it if you're somebody who consumes it that way you can catch it again after fantasy football happy hour with Matthew Barry PFT live at least for now yeah who knows who knows who knows how long that will last, but for now, you that's, can catch it again. Yeah, that's cool. And Matthew course, Barry's fun. It, he, he fits our podcast. Group. Yeah, anywhere, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I, I think I think it's great. We both did something with his uh, show last week. The uh, I can't remember the name of it. I just uh, you know we we talked for about ten minutes with fantasy him football Smith. hour, happy hour with Matthew Barry. That's not, but that oh. wasn't it. <laughs> okay. That wasn't it. I don't know what the other one was. Oh, somebody did, just tried to tell me I didn't hear. Right. It was the draft. Guy. The fantasy it draft. The right. Hour. Yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was good. He's and they did have personality. With Michael Smith and Matthew Berry, they did have bottles of booze, and they had a bottle of Bacardi 151 uh, rum that was turned around so you couldn't see the logo. So there's a bottle of Bacardi in the building. I, I, did, I did see it, trust me. And the, I, I, like, I, I did a little with them, too, on set last week. It was a lot of fun. They're going to be a good combination together, those two. But, oh, man, yeah. Unlike us. You don't want me to touch I asked for another type of bar. I mean, come on, it's 2022. If they're going to have that bar, let's get another bar around the corner for Chris. Not everybody likes to drink at 12. Maybe you want to do something else. One of my friends sent me, and yes, I do have friends, although it's a very loose Debatable challenge. There was, there was something recent about somebody's wedding where they had a, a weed bar. Oh, yeah. See this it's, it's coming a it thing was, a little uh, bit here and there. Draymond Green had a full-service marijuana bar. Damn. Complete with dozens of hand-rolled cigars at his wedding. Wow, what a wedding. That's awesome. I wish I was there for that. Crap. Yeah, there's a... There's there's some weddings going on and parties like that now that every now and then I see one 
or hear about one where, yeah, things are all rolled up and ready to go for the guests. Uh, man, yep, I, that's amazing. That's a, that's a fun party. I'd have liked to have been there. I, the world has changed. They're I'm going strong. They're at weddings. They're, they're drinking beer at noon. I mean, it's just, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. you have to do to get through the stress of the modern world, I suppose. <laughs> I guess so. I'm, I don't think I'm going to make it till September 1st, though, to be totally clear with you on my uh, little month of sobriety. You're, you're so close. I know. What the hell? Exactly. I'm so close. So what the hell is the difference of the 27th? It's the last weekend in August coming up. I got to enjoy it a little bit. So I'm probably going to like Friday night, Saturday this week. I think I'm going to dive down that road a little bit. Yeah. So you're just going to round up. 26th is close enough. Yeah, right, right. We're close enough. I've been detoxing hard, working out, you know, sauna. Oh, you got a birthday coming up too, old man. I do. Damn, old man is coming. That's right. Number 42 coming up next week. The Nicolas Cage bust should be arriving any day now. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> Too late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tom Brady should be arriving any day now in Tampa Bay. And, you know, there's this – and I get I get it. I understand what we do for a living. The reporting side of this is people want to know things, so the reporters start elbowing each other out of the way to try to add anything they can, even if they're not really adding anything to the process. Breathless reporting from yesterday, Tom Brady will be back early this week. Yeah, we know. We've known it all along. Here's Todd Bowles, Buccaneers coach yesterday, basically saying, why are you even asking me this? I've been telling you since the moment he left when he's coming back. Have a listen. Uh, like I said, a week and a half ago, I said he'll be back this week. So, my, you know, that hadn't changed. We expect him back this week. Gotcha. Do you know, do you know yet which day it's going to be? It'll be this week early. Do you have any indication if he will play in this third preseason game or not? Not yet. We'll see how practice goes, and we'll make those decisions at the end of the week. That, to me, was the real news. The idea that maybe Tom Brady, after being gone for a week and a half, not playing yet in the preseason, we could see him for the preseason finale on Saturday night in Indianapolis. That becomes must-see TV. Put that one on every network. Let's see Tom Brady if he ends up playing. I would bet the under at this point, but you can't rule out anything. We are in unprecedented territory with everything related to Tom Brady. Yeah. So if anyone can show up after being gone for 11 days and get it together in a few days and play on Saturday night and look as good as ever, it's Tom Brady. Yeah. So I can't rule out anything. Bowles isn't ruling out anything. We just sit back and see how the week goes. Yeah, that's right. I, I mean, yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't be worried about that. You know, again, that's going to be a Tom Brady decision with Bowles a little bit, but I'm not like, oh man, well, they might throw Brady out there and might not look too good on Saturday. He might not look – I mean, I just uh, – you know, again, even though I know he's taking some time off and there's all these rumors swirling and everybody wants to know where the hell he is, I, I have a hard time thinking, you know, again, that he's totally checked out. And it's not like the time of year, Mike, as you know, that they're implementing anything really new in the offense, at least for him. So – you know, that, that'll be there. And I bet you he's still getting TB12 workouts and throwing the football a little bit. I, I would have a hard time thinking he just totally dropped everything for 11 days. The only thing I would question is, is the offensive line going to be in the right spot for him to play on Saturday night? I mean, again, they had another injury this week. So it's a little bit like, all right, you know, hey, here's a guy that usually has played in the preseason a little bit. You look at his, you know, career the last five, ten years in New England. Even last year, I think he got in on one series. 
So I think that's kind of status quo at times. But you know, is the support around him? Do they feel like they can protect him with a you know a defense and a defensive line in Indianapolis that I think is a little bit on a mission this year? And I never know how I would feel if I were a Tom Brady. I guess it's a good problem to have having to go back and play in a stadium where you lost a Super Bowl, although they did beat the Colts last year, late November 38-31 to at Lucas Oil Stadium. I don't know whether that would be a bonus or a punishment to have to go back there and play in the preseason. But either way, he'll be back early this week. I've seen some suggestions that he'll be back today. I mean, sometimes we just got to give it a rest and let it play out. Yeah. But here's the problem. I've, I've been saying this since the day it happened. Yes, you have. When the Buccaneers bungle this from a PR standpoint, when Tom Brady says nothing, with his millions of followers on social media, and he says nothing about the situation. When no one knows anything, we fill in the gaps with whatever we can. And that's the only way to psychologically account for what happened on Friday when all of a sudden this weird, bizarre theory that Tom Brady is absent because he's the masked singer on Fox, which is a singing competition that's open-ended. And that's why they don't know when he's coming back because we don't know when the masked singer taping will end. That actually caught fire. It did. I, I saw that I, before it caught fire. Yeah. I didn't I didn't want to write anything about it because like there's no freaking way that Tom Brady is ditching training camp to do something he could do next year or whenever he's done playing. I mean, whatever his deal is with Fox, it doesn't start until he stops playing. Right. There's no way in hell Fox is going to squeeze him to leave camp for 11 days to go on some masked singer boondoggle. He'd never live that down if that was the reason why he was gone. And there's yeah. no way that it would that it would avoid getting out because here he is on the masked singer. Right. We would put it all together after the fact. But but it shows, Chris, what happens when they choose when go dark. to... From Brady's perspective, go dark, and from the Buccaneers' perspective, go nuts with conflicting, weird, strange, what's going on. They're just creating the impression they don't know what's going on. So that that's what happens. That's where you get crazy-ass theories. Yeah. Because n- nobody's telling anyone anything, so the mind starts to wander. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure we got NBC executives shaking in their boots going, oh, no, is he going to be playing week one in our Sunday night game, the first real Sunday night game of the year against Dallas? And week I mean- four. Yeah, and or week, week four. four, right? You're going, oh no, we didn't schedule this right. So I, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people thinking a lot of different things. I, I would, I mean, if he went on the Max Mass Singer, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you could just, you could just say right here, we're gonna, we're gonna roast him for sure. I mean, that, that'd be just totally crazy. But I, I can't imagine that that is the case here. And again, as I've said from the start, you know, the the one source I have down there that I really trust is has led me to believe it's something personal and they're not comfortable sharing it with me. And this is a person that has shared things with me before. So uh, that's where I just um, – I'm going to leave it at that. I don't really know what it is. But, yeah, you're right. We're going to inquire, want to know, and especially with Tom Brady, like you said, who's just been so in our face with – you know, Instagram and TikTok and whatever else here over the last few years. And he's the most famous American sports figure right now. One of the most famous in the whole world. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to wonder what it is. It is weird, but I think at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not really all that worried about it. If he's back in the building here in the next few days practicing. And like you said, 17 days before the week one game uh, or more than that, right? He's got 20, 20 days he's got 20. to get ready. Uh, he'll be ready to go. I don't doubt that at all. 
Once you submit yourself to a full embrace of fame and everything that goes along with it, you don't get to pick and choose anymore. That's just the reality. And when you do go dark on everyone for a week and a half, it is going to spark speculation as to what the hell is going on. Not that anyone's going to say, how dare you not tell us what you're doing? You owe us an explanation. That's not the point. The point is when someone is that inherently public and they're just gone – what do you expect human beings to do yeah. in reaction to it? There's going to be concern. There's going to be worry. There's going to be speculation. There's going to be crazy-ass theories. And there's going to be all sorts of rumors that I'm not comfortable trafficking in. You've heard things. I've heard things. Let's just wait and see how it goes. But whenever he has another media availability, and my understanding is he's not talking to anybody until it's mandated that first week of the regular season as they get ready for the Cowboys game. You have a long list of questions for Tom Brady. Oh, and we got a new question to add to the list for Tom Brady, courtesy of UFC President Dana White, appearing on the first ever Gronk cast. This whole Manning cast, because it worked, we're going to have insert name cast on everything out the wazoo. Yeah, we got Gronk cast now for UFC fights. Here's Dana White. Dropping a hell of a bomb on Saturday night. I, I'm the one. I, I, I worked to put that deal together for Brady and Gronk to come to the Raiders. And it was almost a done deal. And at the last minute, Gruden blew the deal up and said that he didn't want him. And Whoa. all hell broke loose, man. It, it was crazy. And. And, and Brady was already looking at houses, and it wasn't being said yet that Gronk was coming. So Las Vegas would have had Brady and Gronk the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl, except Gruden blew the deal out. And there's so much story that goes along with this behind the scenes. And I, 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 I was never going to tell that story till. Gronk just said it, but uh, and, yeah. And Dana, oh, that is what, exactly what happened, happen. and you just told the story. <laughs> <laughs> now, I fully expect that Rob Gronkowski, who said at the end, that is exactly what happened. When he's asked about it at some point in the near future, he'll say he was just kidding oh, because yeah, that's his yeah. way out of everything. Right. Oh, I was just kidding. Right. Oh, I had the playbook three months before I joined the Buccaneers. Oh, I was just kidding. It's a funny <laughs> joke. That's as funny, that's as, funny as how about $100,000 per loss, Brian Flores. Get funny joke. Tell me another one. Um, you know, we, we had heard that the Raiders were one of the teams, at least on the periphery right. of the Tom Brady sweepstakes. But here's Dana White saying he had it lined up. It was almost a done deal. John Gruden puts the kibosh on it. And, you know, if nothing else, it underscores how rampant tampering is because there's no way in hell Rob Gronkowski could have been included in that. He was on the reserve retired list of the Patriots at the time. You can't talk to him. You can't work out a deal with him until you work out something with the Patriots. And I'm assuming that this was all happening at the time when Tom Brady was not yet free and clear to negotiate with anyone because by the time we got to that point, he had a deal in place already with the Buccaneers. So it had to have happened while Brady was the exclusive contractual property of Patriots. But it just shows you how commonplace tampering is. And the Raiders, along with the Dolphins, along with the Buccaneers, along with the 49ers, and probably others, were tampering with Tom Brady in early 2020. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, though. It's amazing to think, what if? I mean, Dana White, a Boston guy, a Patriot guy, you know, bridging the gap and helping out Brady and Don Yee and the rest of the group make a deal to go to Vegas, you know, a place where all the UFC fights go on, the new stadium there in Vegas at the time. 
I mean, wow, that was, you know, it sounds like it was going to be some unveiling of the curtain like Elvis comes back to Vegas here, uh, which would have been cool, certainly. It makes you wonder, without a doubt. Now, that Raiders team, I don't think, you know, it, it worked out for Brady, obviously. That Raiders team, I don't know if it could have supported him the way he needed to be supported like he like Tampa could. I mean, Tampa was one of those teams, again, you know, for everybody to remember, everybody was like, whoa, they're kind of damn good. And remember, we were at the Super Bowl, and we had, like, Matt Ryan and guys tell us, like, Tampa might have been the most talented team we played this year, where the Jameis Winston issue was just an issue with him turning the football over. But I find the, the, the best part of it, I guess, a little bit, is that, that Gruden put the kibosh on it. I do find that interesting. Uh, because, you know, again, John Gruden's smart mind, you know, uh, Super Bowl winning coach, you know, one of the best creative guys we've seen in football over the last 20 years or so. But, oh, he didn't want to deal with the pressure of Tom Brady. He wasn't going to be able to give excuses on his way out of that one in case things didn't work. You know, he couldn't blame Tom Brady if the offense didn't work. And then he's going to lose control a little bit, too, because Brady's going to be able to talk to Mark Davis and go, no, no, I want this. It's great that John wants that, but I want this. And Mark Davis is going to go, yeah, yeah, John, I like you, but we want Brady. So, sorry, I'm going to listen to him right now. That's where I find it fascinating that, you know, at the end of the day, they go with Derek Carr, who's a hell of a football player. But, you know, as we've discussed with the 49er situation and all that with Jimmy Garoppolo, not Tom Brady. Definitely not Tom Brady. And uh, just a crazy story to hear over the weekend with, you know, Brady again, like you said, tampering and flirting with a lot of people here. So to use an example that you've offered up many times in the past about how John Gruden views his offense like a Ferrari. Right. And he entrusts the keys to the quarterback. I guess this would be the equivalent of him suddenly getting Mario Andretti in his prime to drive his Ferrari. Right. And so if Andretti doesn't win the race, it ain't him. It's the Ferrari. It's the Ferrari. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, Yeah, I I think that's pretty fair. I do. I've always felt that way. To a degree, I think most quarterbacks have felt that way that have played under John Gruden. And, you know, again, we saw it with Derek Carr. The first few years there, it was, you know, oh, we're always looking at everybody to improve the team. And it was all that type of talk all the time. Well, it's like, well, no, you've got a good quarterback here. You know, what, what are you doing? Why are you always putting him in the corner like, hey, we might replace you? So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of maybe the bad of John Gruden is that he wasn't always – in the car with that guy, he gave the keys. He, he was, you know, micromanaging on the outside. And there's a lot of quarterbacks that played for him that didn't like that necessarily. That's just the truth of the matter. So I, I always felt like, you know, even when I was in Tampa, when there was the Brett Favre flirting and he ended up ultimately going to the Jets, I always wondered whether if Gruden really wanted Brett Favre either. I did because I just went, well, I think, you know, we want him. The Glazier family wants him, but – does Gruden really want him? Because if it doesn't work, it's not going to be Brett Favre's fault. And I think this is kind of the same situation, but an amazing story to be broken on the first Gronkast there. And yeah, it's uh, pretty pretty awesome. Yes, that's a pretty high bar for Gronkast number two. Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> the, the story that we posted at PFT on Saturday night, because we've got a couple of different photo services available to us where you put in a name or two in a search box and it returns options that you can use and you crop them down, make them fit and all that stuff. When I put in Tom Brady and Dana White, it returned a photo of the two of them together at a UFC event in Las Vegas, January 18, 2020. Right. So it would have been right in the throes of it. And they both look pretty damn happy standing there next to each other. So, So Dana White was up to something 
and he almost pulled it off. And but for John Gruden, maybe it would have been Tom Brady. I mean, he said Brady was looking at houses in Las Vegas. That's how far along it got. Now, now, here's where the the Dana White claim sparks a second more intriguing, right. arguably, right. story as we revisit some comments that Tom Brady made on the LeBron James show. Previously was on HBO. I think now it's just a YouTube production, The Shop Uninterrupted. Here he is talking about a certain unnamed quarterback that he was surprised that a team that showed interest in him but then suddenly backed out was deciding to stick with. Let's play that. There was a story in free agency. One of the teams, they were interested, and all of a sudden, they weren't interested at the very end. I was sitting there thinking, you're sticking with that motherfucker? Are you serious? Tom probably had no desire to go to that team, but now it's like, why don't you want me? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. When sure. I look back, I'm like, I just don't fucking way I would have went to that team. <laughs> but they said they didn't want me, and I know what that means. I know what that feels like, and I'm going to fuck you up because of that. <laughs> See, that back end is what makes me think, even though the immediate reaction was he's talking about Derek Carr of the Raiders because of what Dana White had to say and that John Gruden backed out at the last minute, put the kibosh on it. But when you hear what Brady said at the end, I would have never gone to that team. It doesn't fit with what Dana White was saying, unless Tom Brady was leading Dana White to believe that he was interested when he really wasn't. You know, a little leverage play, maybe get a little money out of Tampa Bay or whoever just to have somebody else at the table who really wants me. But that that's where it doesn't fit with this theory, this revisited and resurrected theory that Derek Carr was the unnamed mother bleeper that Brady referred to back in June of 2021. Well, maybe he's just saying that to save face, too, you know, where he's just going, oh, I didn't actually want you either. Now, I, you know, I don't know. With Brady, I don't know. You don't always get the honest there, you know. I love that his banter. What are you implying? Right. Well, what are you I, saying? Yeah, well, you know, just but either way, it's either Jimmy Garoppolo or Derek Carr. We can narrow it down to those two. I think that's pretty much boom. That, that's all there is to it, you know, because we know the 49ers were involved at the very end and Brady wanted to go there as well. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly there, but, but that would have been amazing. Yeah, I just look at the Raiders and the situation and where they were at that point too. You know, not great weapons. Not a good offensive line to protect him. I mean, the Raiders are still trying to fix their offensive line right now. It's probably one of the biggest issues with their team. So that's where I just go, well, I don't know if – yeah, would, would he have really been serious about that? He's a pretty smart football guy and knows how to evaluate talent. I, I have a hard time thinking he was looking at the Raiders going, that's the team I can go to the Super Bowl with next year. That's where I, I, I'm with you in the fact that I don't know if I buy it or maybe it was that leverage play, uh, but – just an amazing, an amazing story. I mean, only Tom Brady could disappear for 10 days, have a story that's so big that everybody's going, what the hell's going on? Where's this guy? Where's this guy? And then there's another story that ups that, and we forget about it for a few days because we go, holy crap, Ola, this, one go, this went down too. Um, he's uh, as famous as it gets right now, and it's, uh, it really was an amazing weekend with all that stuff going on. At the time that Tom Brady's comments initially surfaced, the first reaction was Jimmy Garoppolo was the unnamed mother bleeper to yeah. whom he was referring. And I started to hear from people in the league that he actually was talking about Derek Carr and the Raiders. So that does fit 
And and there aren't many other obvious. I remember at the time we like ran through everything he's talking about Ryan Tannehill and the Titans. You know, is this a Mike Vrabel thing? Brady and Vrabel together in Tennessee. Is it about Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami? Everybody knew they were going to draft somebody with the fifth overall pick, so it really wasn't sticking with that guy. Right. When they were looking to draft. Yeah, someone. that doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 I see that we had a story at PFT, and it's amazing how you forget this stuff, but you know you keep stacking these items up. 15 to 20 a day, one day after another, some of them become forgotten. There was a report that that uh, that we it was our report that he proposed identical packages to the Buccaneers and the Chargers back in March of 2018. And the Chargers weren't interested, but there was no one they were sticking with then because they were in the process of transitioning from Philip Rivers to Justin Herbert, who they took with the sixth overall pick. So there, there was no one to stick with yeah, in right. 2020 by the Chargers. But uh, yeah, it would have been a tough spot going to the AFC West because you got to deal with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. And maybe that's how Brady's wired. I want to show up and, and beat Mahomes every chance I can. But he did pick the ideal spot for him. He won a Super Bowl. And yes, he's even while he has disappeared on a hiatus that presumably ends today or maybe tomorrow or maybe the next day, he creates more news than anyone else currently in camp by virtue of this Dana White story. It, it just shows it, it underscores what we're talking about earlier. Why, when you, you ghost the Buccaneers, you ghost everyone. Everyone's invested in this. Everyone's curious about this because you're Tom Brady. Yeah, no, you're right. It's just, Hey, he's who's, who's hotter. Who's bigger than Tom Brady right now. He's gone to another level of superstardom. Uh, the last two, two, three years that uh, I, I doubt he could even imagine. I mean, he's literally becoming he, – he went from, w- like, great American sports star to world sports star. Everybody knows Tom Brady. It's It's gone to a whole nother level now. And, uh, yeah, that's the, the price to pay. And I'm sure it's not easy. I know that, too. I mean, it's not. I, I can't imagine being in his shoes, dealing with it all the time. That's why I think you see a lot of really, really famous people like him sometimes, you know, go off the deep end or pull their hair out a little bit just because it's it's a life that's not based in reality. But uh, Brady, for the most part, I still do think is a really damn good guy. He's had a few mis- mis- missteps here and there. And uh, hopefully whatever he's dealing with at home, it's, it's getting better. And now he can come back and play football because we all want to see Brady finish this out the way we expect him to finish it out. Tom Brady playing good football on the Bucks, them being a player for the Super Bowl and him basically saying, Leah, I'm the greatest of all time. I'm 45 and I'm still going to, you know, kick some butt this year. And then we'll see him for at least 10 years on Fox as the number one analyst. So he's not going anywhere. And one of the things I've noticed about him in recent years, and it started with the TB12 stuff four or five years ago, he really is trying to leverage his fame into every possible business that he can and become a mogul in many different respects. Yeah. And I think eventually, and this is the ultimate competition with Peyton Manning. I don't think Peyton Manning, Well, maybe he will. Maybe with his Omaha Productions, he will. But I think the competition between Brady and Manning now is who can amass enough money to buy a team. Not be the 1% figurehead owner who takes a job in the front office and is a minority partner to someone else. I think that the battle that plays out between Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in the coming years is who's the one to get enough money 
to be the one who owns 30% of a team, buys that team, and becomes one of the American oligarchs who own who, the national Who do you think has got more money between those two? Well, are we counting spouse? Well, well, We're counting spouse in that it's a no-brainer right, because okay. Michelle let's, supposedly let's not, has more than Tom. Let's not count spouse then. Let's not count. I don't know. Sp- I mean, if, if Stan Kroenke, if Stan Kroenke says let's count spouse. Well, then you know, Pey- Peyton could probably bring his brother in involved and then go. Okay, That's well, true. the tables are turned. We're here. We're even. Then you know, they, yeah. if they want to get into the team thing, Eli's certainly you know not looking under the ca- the, the couch cushions or pennies there anyway. I, I I do wonder just really just if you went apples to apples, Manning versus Brady. I mean, the Mannings both retired as the highest paid players in the history of the NFL and really weren't passed up for quite a few years, even after they retired. That's how much money they made. So I, I do wonder. I think it's Peyton. I think it's Peyton. Just and because I think of all the years of endorsements and all that, yeah. right? All, 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 every, always every been time all you turn in. on your TV, chicken right. farm, you taste so good. And, and he's always he's been a best. great businessman. And he's always milked every contract he could get for every last dollar. And... And I think Brady's playing catch up, but he's aggressively doing it. He is no with doubt. the the NFT company and and the the crypto stuff, yeah, the Bitcoin and, stuff or whatever, and, right? And, and the and the Brady brand. He's trying to make himself into a Michael Jordan as it relates to having this brand that generates billions long after he stopped playing. I think he may have got started on that a little bit too late to really give it traction. But yeah. I feel like he has. He has been, and I don't want to psychoanalyze the guy any more than we have for the past 11 days, but I really do think that Peyton Manning at some point inspired slash challenged him to become the ultimate businessman. And I think it's a competition between the two to see who comes up with the money first to buy a team. I really do think that's what's driving them now deep down. I want to be the first one between the two of us to buy a team. And maybe they both buy a team (laughs) that end up in the same division and they go against it. You know, it's Peyton versus Brady. Not, yeah. not as the guy on the field, Battle but the of guy the owners. with the suit right. in the, in the suite. <laughs> right. That would be cool. I'd be all for it. I would. I mean, certainly. It just, yeah, I, that's, uh, they might be able to do that. And uh, wouldn't be shocked, Mike, to, to, to your point. I really wouldn't be. One, one reason I don't look forward to that is, you know, it's going to take some time and I'll be, I'll be pretty damn old. Not that I'm not already by the time that that happens. So I'm, I'm willing to let the next 20 years play out without either of them owning an NFL team. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The Giants had a playoff, not a playoff. <laughs> Whoa, playoffs! The show was going really well until then. We got through the first 30 minutes without shit in the bed. <laughs> there was a preseason game last night between the Giants and the Bengals. I was trying to make an Eli Manning segue, and we're talking about the, the yeah, and it just I got brain you. misfired. Right. So anyway, there was a preseason game last night, not a playoff game. We have not fast-forwarded through the season. The Giants defeat the Bengals 25-22. to Daniel Jones, the questions about whether or not he's he's going to be in position to be the guy that the Giants envisioned when they made him a first-round pick in 2019. They didn't pick up the fifth-year option. We've been over that time and again. What did you take from Daniel Jones last night? He looked good. I, I thought it was the second game in a row where I just go, hey, you, you could tell he understands the offense more and more. 
You know, he quick decisions, knew to, where to go with the football, made a few plays. I thought his movement in the pocket, you know, not being the Statue of Liberty in the middle, actually got out one time and scrambled and got a first down, where that's what we want to see from Daniel Jones, backyard football. You know, had the interception where, yeah, the ball went off the guy's hands, but he's got to be a little bit more, you know, patient and let the guy clear. And, you know, you throw to a tight end over the middle and he's got to reach his hands out like that. That's when bad things can happen. Here you go right there. Like, I, you know, just that was a little off target. I know that the tight end, yeah, they're going to tell him he should have caught it. But the quarterback room, you know, Brian Dable's going to go, no, we got to put that right underneath his chin. you got to put that on his number. In the middle of the field, when you throw the ball there, that's when bad things happen. Um, but all in all, you know, I thought it was another good performance by him. And then what I also just, I think what you got to couple with that, Mike, is just, and I know it was the Bengals' second-team defense, but the Giants' offensive line, for the first time in forever, at least looks the part. They're not overwhelmed. I mean, there's been other preseason games the last few years where I go, this is the number two defense, this is the Giants' starting offensive line, and they still can't protect Daniel Jones. So I think it's for the first time in his career, he's standing back there a little bit like, whoa, I got room, I got time, I can actually make some reads. Uh, but I thought it was an encouraging start, and, and you know things are looking pretty good for Daniel Jones and the Giants. Brian Dayball, first-year head coach of the Giants, meeting with reporters after the game, giving his thoughts on Daniel Jones' performance. Let's hear what Coach Dayball had to say. Been in pretty good rhythm, um, whether it's playing games. I know practice is tough, and there's a lot of things coming at him, but he's picking up our offense. You know, look, he's only a few months into it, but um, he's done a good job of really he, he, tireless worker. You know, even on, you know, we'll be on the phone and he's up there every morning with Kafka, and we're trying to, you know, formulate what we're good at right now, which doesn't come easy. Like, which, it's a continual process of throwing out plays, putting players in different positions, reading body language. Do I like throwing to this receiver on this route? You know, the protections, you know, we see him every day, a lot of those that, that go along with it. But um, he's, he's made steady strides. Uh, he played well. He was in good command. Important disclosure in that comment by Coach Dayball. Daniel Jones actually answering his phone. We have learned in recent days that's not a given when it comes to a franchise <laughs> yeah. quarterback. Right. So check that box. Daniel Jones, does he answer his phone? Yes. All right. There we go. Uh, hey, it all comes down to what he does this year, Chris. That's and, right. You know, if, if uh, is it too much pressure? Well, is playing in a Super Bowl too much pressure? I, you know, I, I have this same thought all the time when maybe there's a guy who's pushing the starter. The starter has to earn it. The starter doesn't have the full faith of the team, doesn't have the contract that says we believe in you. If you crumble in those situations, that's right. you're never going to withstand the pressure of a playoff run and a Super Bowl appearance. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. It's New York City. You know, the fan base is rabid for some success here. If you can't handle this situation, yeah, lame duck year, okay, yeah, you don't have a contract, but Tyrod Taylor's behind you, yeah, then how do you think you're going to be able to handle that situation and it's, you know, like you're talking about, late in the divisional playoff game and you got to come through in the clutch. So, so yes, this is this is par for the course for most quarterbacks in football. You got to deal with this type of adversity. You don't get like the red carpet until you, you know, show everybody. Wait, I'm the man, and then some. And now, uh, you know, there, there's nothing that you can, you know, I I got some say. I'm the man around here. 
but he hasn't got that gotten to that part yet. And I think what you know again, you hear from Brian Dayball just a little bit in inside of the Daniel Jones look in there. This is why the Giants are they they want it to work. He has everything that you want as far as a franchise quarterback. It just hasn't been good enough on the football field. And obviously, like you know, I know, I think the Giants brass knows that it hasn't been fair to him either. So we'll see where it goes. And, you know, I'm just sick of the practice highlights and the piling on Daniel Jones by idiot fans, like Giant fans. Like, shut up. You don't know what you're looking at. You don't. And, and practice is probably hard. It's a disaster. You know, again, Tyrod Taylor's been in this offense. In Houston last year, it was this offense. It's based in its New England roots. You know, Tim Kelly, right? That's the offensive coordinator for the Texans. So, you know, he's got a little feel for this. And also came from Baltimore. So he understands Wink Martindale's, you know, blitz and the Baltimore defensive scheme and everything that goes with that. Daniel Jones is learning a new system and playing a defense that is crazy. Wink Martindale, I mean, it, it can almost, you know, and I think we heard Brian Dayball last week a little bit. They, they got to dial it back because they got to get some practice against some of the normal defenses. It can't be, you know, four blitzers over here, four blitzers over here, and all this crazy stuff. You know, not everybody plays that style. So that's not easy for a, a quarterback who is learning an offense and dealing with that. And now you have the fan base who's dying to jump on him for some reason, and I just don't like that by my fellow Giants fans. And I'd hope, I wish they would back the hell off in that department. The number one objective for any team as it relates to getting through the preseason is to emerge with as many of your key players healthy yeah. as possible. The Giants got a scare last night with top 10 pick Kayvon Thibodeau. Suffered a knee injury. He said after the game, I'm good. He waved off the cart, walked to the locker room. Coach Brian Dayball said he'll undergo all of the necessary tests today. You don't know what's going on in there until you actually do the imaging. They can do a structural thing and decide whether or not they think the ACL is intact. But look at the play where this happened. Yeah. It, it's legal, but is it clean? That's the question. Thaddeus Moss coming across the formation. Why is it legal? Below the waist block. It's, it's legal because it's in the tackle. I didn't say it's illegal. It's oh. legal because it's in the tackle box. Yeah, yeah. It's illegal outside of the tackle box, but is it yeah, clean? I guess you're right. There are plenty yeah. of legal hits that, that aren't regarded as clean by the men who play the game. So this could be legal, but also in the subjective assessment yeah. of football players, a dirty play. Definitely. In, in the in the man's world of football, yeah, like, but, but why, why are you going down there? That is, it's a no-no in the football world. It is, it's a it's a BS block by Thaddeus Moss. Chris, what if they're drawing it up that way? What if that's the play? You come across and you seal it that way with a low block. Well, what if that was what he was told to do? Well, fine. Then you, you aim at the hip or the thigh, but that's just too low. It's, you know, it, there is a little bit of a code of conduct here to, you know, protect your fellow brethren. It's, it's just, a, it's a spot. Well, you know, then, okay, Th Thaddeus, next time you go over the middle and somebody going to dive at your knee when you catch the ball over there, we're going to see how that goes. You know, that, that's what's going to happen to him if he continues to do that. People are going to start going, well, we're going to give it back to him. We'll see if his knee holds up. You know, so it looked worse than it was at first. When you first saw it, I went, oh, no, he's in deep crap. But then you see that last angle from behind, you know, you are hopeful. It didn't look like the knee crumbled completely or the way you see an ACL. So uh, I know a lot of Giant fans were holding their breath and, you know, good thing they got good news. I, I will say this, though, all right? I, I don't see it. I just don't see it. 
I, 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 you know me. I spent the whole day yesterday watching film. I've watched all these first-round pass rushers. Thibodeau is the least impressive one of the group. It's not even close. You know, so that's where I'm just disappointed. You know, hopefully the regular season comes and maybe he can, you know, turn it on more. He plays hard and all that. But, you know, against a second preseason game where I, I don't see anything that flashes, nothing that pops at all. And you, I can't say that about Aiden Hutchinson or, Kay, you know, Trevon, Trayvon Walker or George Karlaftis, who's just dominating people on the Chiefs defensive line. So that's where it's a little disappointing. But I hope he's healthy and I hope he proves me wrong. I really do. And you really do have to wonder, and it reminds me of what happened last year with Jamar Chase. Different context, different side of the ball. But when you know you're only going to play a limited amount of That's time, right too. are you I really as, as locked in? Are you as focused? It's a tough transition. Hard to get in Guys rhythm. Just wanna, they want to play. Like, what is this? I'm going to play for a series or two? And, and you, don't get, you don't get that same mindset that you would have. So we'll I know. see what happens That's week right. one. If he plays week one, again, he said, I'm good. The test today will confirm whether or not that's indeed the case. And, and, and good for the NFL because the initial focus on health and safety was the head. And forget about the rest of the body because mom and dad weren't keeping little Jimmy and Johnny from playing football because of concerns emanating from ACL injuries. Yeah. It was all from head injuries. Right. But in recent years, the NFL has realized it can't just be about protecting the brain and it can't be just about protecting offensive players. And, and the rules have evolved to take away those low hits. Now, the problem is, and I remember someone on the competition committee explaining this to me when the process first began because there was resistance to it. Because in football, you're always going to have some guys who are bigger than others. And the only chance the little guy has to take down the big guy is to take out his legs. And if we take away that possibility, the little guy doesn't have a chance. And you know what that means? You're going to have more big guys in the NFL, which is fine, but that's the, that's the natural consequence of eliminating the opportunity for the little guy to take out the big guy's legs. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You, just, you can't have it all. You can. And as we know, for the most part, most guys would rather you, you hit them in the head than down there in the knees. So, yeah, defensive players have to adjust. The defensive coaches have to adjust. Well, we saw that, you know, pretty quickly last year. So, yeah, you, you can't take on the blocker and chop his knee down like that and do that. So, hey, what do you do? Okay, you got to kind of just what they would say in the NFL, shoot your gun and just go. Go try to get the ball carrier and mess up the play that way to now make, okay, here's a pulling guard. Okay, you're coming to get blocked. Just go get the guy behind there instead of waiting there and try to chop him down and let somebody else make the tackle. You go, make it all a mess, and then maybe the running back has to stop and cut back, and I think defensives are, are getting a hang of that. We've seen the adjustment to the head pretty quickly, and I think we'll see continue to see the adjustment here in, in this department as well. And it's not just urban legend. Larry Fitzgerald has admitted that he used to tell defensive backs, I'll pay the fine. Right. Hit me high, don't hit me low. You hit me high, and you get fined, and I'll pay it because he would rather have a concussion than a knee injury because the concussion goes away fairly quickly. The knee injury, the knee injury can, can wreck you for a year. Yeah. For some guys, you're never the same because right. it never quite heals the way it was supposed to. By the way, by the way, yeah. I've gotten an email, and, and I don't know that this is accurate or not, but this goes back to the Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady, the tale of the tape or the tale of the ticker, who has more money. 
According to Google, and I have not confirmed this yet, I don't know how accurate it is, but initial indications, courtesy of uh, an, an active listener who is willing to communicate with us as the show unfolds, Peyton Manning, net worth, individual net worth, $250 million. Tom Brady, higher or lower, Chris? I was going to say I would say lower, just a little bit, like 220 I'm going to say. 400, according Whoa. to the email I received. Again, I have no idea. I have no idea if it's accurate, but it, it gives us, at least for now, some sort of punctuation to conclude the conversation we had earlier. But I think they both would like to own teams as the majority controlling owner at some point. And I think football would be in a very good place if two of the 32 owners were Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Definitely. Let's go ahead and take a break. Lamar Jackson trying to work his way toward the kind of contract that Peyton Manning had, maybe Tom Brady too, later in his career. Will Lamar Jackson get that deal from the Ravens before week one? The clock is ticking. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. 